Hi, my name is Moki Makura and I am the host of Women on Top, the Africa edition. It's a podcast show where we interview successful African women in leadership roles, and I'm here to guide you through their stories. Every episode, we'll meet one of these fabulous women who clawed their way to the top, punched through that glass ceiling, covered up their cuts and bruises, and today, they are standing strong. This is Women on Top, the Africa edition. I was young. I was not yet 30. I was walking in and, you know, signing $2 million contracts. This episode, we meet Carol Abade, the Kenyan CEO of EXP, one of the continent's oldest and largest experiential marketing agencies, which has dominated the brand experience sector for well over two decades. I was in my mid-twenties and I was walking into markets where literally I didn't know anybody and I needed to create a business. So we set up Kenya two years later into Tanzania, then rolled out into Uganda. And then in 97, the opportunity was, okay, let's go check out West Africa. So went into West Africa in 97, um, rolled out in Nigeria and Ghana, Ivory Coast. And if there was a price for it, Carol would probably be a strong contender for living and working in the most African countries because over a period of six years, she went on to open offices in 15 African countries, often traveling there on her own and staying just long enough to recruit a team and set up a business. She joined EXP 28 years ago and it was only her second job. Tenacious, ambitious and fearless. Those must have been some of the traits her employer saw in her when they recruited this young Kenyan woman. I started working with them in Kenya in 1993-94. And at that time, they had a really big plan in the vision. So I was young, I had just finished college. I'd worked actually as a teacher for about a year and a little bit. So I bump into somebody um, at a theater and he says, look, you know, there's a new company that's coming to Kenya and they're launching and they're hiring new people. So I went off, interviewed with them, got the job. From there, she worked her way quite literally to the top. And 28 years later, she is head honcho, the boss lady, the ogre on top at EXP. But Carol has a way of downplaying all that she's achieved in what is a really competitive sector of the marketing industry. So I'm CEO, which technically means you do everything from providing vision, directing the business, making sure that we're all on the same page, aligned in terms of what we want to try and build. But I also do a lot of client engagement work, which technically shouldn't be what I would do daily, but it's something I love to do. But on the whole, it's really just driving, leading the business and providing a vision. She took over as CEO 13 years ago in 2008, when it was a $17 million business with the offices she helped set up in 15 countries. Although they now have operations in only nine countries, the business is worth much more, although she's reluctant to disclose exact figures. And they boast some of the biggest global brands as clients, including MTN, Coca-Cola and Unilever. She is clearly passionate about business, but it wasn't just passion for brands and her work that propelled her to the top. She was good. She was well-liked. And let's face it, she had grown up in the business. I think, honestly, at that time, I was probably the most experienced person in the group. I had built a pretty strong network across the continent based on, you know, the amount of time I'd spent setting up all these offices. I had probably, I would think, the biggest know-how of how to run an experiential agency in the group at that time across, you know, all the countries. Was it a surprise? Yes. 
because I was doing what I really loved, which was, you know, creating new experiences for clients and brands. I think I was 36, 37. I still felt that I was probably too young to take on such a big responsibility. A lot of my peers were far older than me. I've heard this consistently from women in leadership positions. There was always someone, usually a man, that believed in them, opened a door and pulled them up. And Carol knows exactly who played that role in her career. It was Ron Boone, the male South African co-founder of EXP. He just saw the fight in me, I think. Um, I was young and he was like, you know, just go and do it. Like, it's not that hard. And just provided every opportunity that there was for me to be able to do some of the things that I've been able to achieve in life. And he taught me the discipline of work, you know, that you committed to doing things, you delivered it on time. If it meant you were going to stay up all night to do it, that's what you were going to have to do because you made a commitment. And so from a work perspective and a discipline perspective, I learned that from him. But the fact that he chose her above everyone else in the business to run EXP wasn't enough to convince Carol. It wasn't just her age. There was a really practical challenge she had to consider. Yeah, it was a tough decision. And I wasn't also sure that I wanted to move countries again because the role came with another move. I was ready to move out of Nigeria, but I wasn't sure that, you know, I wanted to move somewhere else. To understand how tough a decision it was for Carol, you have to understand how her life had been up until then. In a six-year period, she had gone back and forth and back and forth between 15 countries, opening offices, hiring and firing people and managing big clients. I think my last stint of that kind of travel was 2003, and that was Zimbabwe. You know, it would be at least three months in the country, um, sign up the clients, hire the team, do the training, set up the office. So minimum three to six months I'd live in the country and then move on to the next location. Then in 2003, came back to East Africa, finally. I got a regional role in East Africa, so running the, the region, which was Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Zambia, and Zimbabwe at that time, and Malawi. And that was fantastic. You know, it gave me time to really kind of focus on learning how to manage a business on a day-to-day basis, um, not just do the setup, get in and get out. So I did that for two years. And then in 2005, the business had a problem in Nigeria. Nigeria is like your youngest favorite child. It needs a lot of attention, but the rewards are so worth it. So off Carol went. They were looking for somebody to go in and fix the business. I hadn't been to Nigeria, I think, in maybe five years before that. I hadn't been. After setup, I didn't spend a lot of time in Nigeria. So I said, I'll go. I'll go back. So I packed my bags and moved back to Lagos and went in really to rebuild the business that I had built in 97. And it was an operating business. It just wasn't making any money and it should have been making money. And so my role there was really business recovery, just get back and and get the basics right and get the business back to profitability. Easier said than done. Little did she know she was about to embark on one of the most memorable business trips in her entire career. And I landed in Lagos And on the second day, we got shut down. It was during the time where there was a lot of civil unrest. And um, 
the country basically shut down for seven days. We couldn't go outside. Nobody was going to work. And I spent seven days at the Sheraton in Ikeja, which was the entire seven days that I had for this trip. Okay, let me give you some context about Nigeria. At the time, Nigeria was under the leadership of the dictator, General Sani Abacha. Ken Sarawiwo, the Nigerian writer and activist, had just been executed. The world was horrified. There were sanctions against Nigeria. The country was in turmoil. In other words, these were extraordinary times. But Carol, the intrepid African explorer, had a job to do. I saw no clients. I didn't see anything anywhere. And literally, after seven days, got back to the airport. And at that time, it was only Ethiopian Airlines I was flying to West Africa, and they stopped in 11 different countries. So you were literally from Addis, you had 11 stops before you got to Nigeria. It was incredibly frustrating, but that was my first trip. We fly back into the country next month, and guess what? Another week of civil unrest, and it was just chaos. And it was only on the third visit that we finally managed to meet with the lawyers, set up a company, look around, find an office, and start operating. We finally set up, I think, in November of the 97. You can see why they say Nigeria is not for sissies. Ironically, despite the many challenges she would have faced just trying to get things done and build the business in Africa, compounded by the fact she was a young, dare I say, attractive single woman, Carol really didn't consider herself to be that brave. It was more adventurous than it was anything else. It was a place I'd never been to. I was keen to understand the people. And I think, honestly, when you go in without that sort of fear, and perhaps also with a lot more openness, you get openness back. And I got a lot of, I got a lot of support. And I can say that of people I've met in so many countries, just incredible, incredible support. And I'm thankful for that. I was young. I was not yet 30. I was walking in and signing $2 million contracts with clients. And I was hiring people with literally no process. So in some ways, I think there's a lot of luck in those things. But I think in some ways, um, you meet people who see that, you know, you're open and, and they provide you so much support. And you can only appreciate it, you know, when you look back and think, wow, yeah, that was a different time. With the benefit of hindsight, those times felt like the good old days. The toughest time for Carol was yet to come. EXP was part of a group with multiple business brands and the owners, Ron Boone and his brother, wanted to divest. So they started to sell off the companies and EXP was one of the entities they wanted to spin off. Between 2010 and 2018, they went through four potential acquisitions, which didn't happen for various reasons. And that was probably the toughest, toughest time I've had in running this business. It was exhausting. It was very destructive to the business. If you go through an acquisition, you know, the first thing is you're now presenting your financials, you're doing your forecasts, you're, you know, discussing values and trying to determine whether they're going to keep the people or they're going to merge them into another group or they're going to get rid of them. And everybody has obviously a lot of anxiety around that time. So the leadership team is not managed on running the business. The leadership team is managed on trying to get this acquisition to happen or not happen, depending on whether it suits them or not. 
And the main shareholder's interest is how much money they can make out of the operation. So the focus on the CEO is really to push to get as much value for the business as possible. And every single one of these failed transactions sucks out the life out of you. And so you are trying to manage business. You're trying to manage people's anxiety. You're trying to keep people focused on where we need to go. You're not spending money on strategy because nobody's spending money when they're trying to offload a business. And so everything is very short term. So that was highly frustrating. As exhausted and frustrated as she must have been, she had no choice but to hang in there. She and her team were the asset. On all the four times, it wasn't even a choice to leave. Your contract was tied into this sale because you're going to buy a business. You need the leadership team to make sure that things carry on beyond the sale date. But the biggest acquisition she worked on was the one that made her not only now the owner of EXP, but the largest single shareholder in the business. In 2018, we bought back the business as a management team. That's been a substantial win for the management team is, you know, we all came together and recognized that our future was based on our ability to actually take back this business and, and drive it the way we believe that we can drive it and, and bring in the value that we think we need to bring in. I think as a management team, we recognize that it's something we, if we didn't do, the business would break apart. And we felt and this is why I think for me, it's significant is we've always had a responsibility towards the people that have shaped this business. So um, we put in an offer to the main shareholder and they wanted to get out. And so, yeah, they agreed to sell it to management. She bought into the business because of the people. There's just something about being at EXP that builds a certain level of, let me call it loyalty because I, I can't find another word for it, but a real pride around being part of this business. So EXP is almost like a family to many people. They build friends, they meet spouses, they have children, and people really connect because of the culture of that company. And, and that's one thing that I, I really can say I'm very proud of. She calls the EXP culture a caring one. It almost had to be because it's a tough job. Her team is on the road for weeks at a time and private lives cross over into work lives. It's really built a strong sense of caring and family and support for each other um, in the business. I see even people who come into the business from corporate are just constantly amazed at, you know, just the level of support and the level of care that they see in the business. This is a trend that's becoming increasingly apparent about businesses run by women. There's a level of care and support that women bring, and it appears to come down to one thing, empathy. It's a trait people are calling our superpower, and it makes us, quite frankly, better leaders. At the early stages of the pandemic, multiple studies confirmed that women leaders performed better during the COVID crisis. New Zealand's Jacinda Ardern, Germany's Angela Merkel, Norway's Irma Solberg, and the leaders of Iceland, Finland, Denmark, and Taiwan were all highlighted as leaders whose performance had led to lower COVID infections and mortality rates in their countries. And what did they all have in common? They were all women. I think women have a more heightened awareness of how people feel in a business. So I find that they have more empathy 
and they can be more caring in situations where it's called for. And Carol is astute. She uses everything at her disposal to run her business efficiently. And that means sending the best team in to handle negotiations with African tax officials. Sometimes you need a woman to get a job done. Going in with a finance manager who's a woman gets us a lot more meetings than if I sent my male finance manager and and there's egos involved. And so I would use those situations to say, okay, no, you're not going. Uh, So-and-so is going to go to that meeting and she'll probably be able to soften the guy's stance more because she's not interested in an ego fight. Carol has built a team of really capable women around her. Of the nine managing directors who report to her, five of them are women. And on her board, five out of the eight people are also women. I'm very deliberate. I'm very deliberate around ensuring that we give women fair chances and that we have policies that accept and adopt the fact that we're going to have women in the business and they're going to go through different life journeys and we need to accommodate those life journeys. But has being a woman ever been an issue for her? I have to say, I find Carol to be really pragmatic. She's definitely not quick to play the gender card. I've been to meetings where, you know, the conversation happens above your head and uh, nobody's asking for your opinion. And, and you can tell that the reason they're not asking for opinion or they don't value your opinion is, is really more for gender than it is for anything else. Now, it could be possible that in many ways, a lot of these things, I don't necessarily see them. And so therefore, I don't give them too much audience. And perhaps I just bulldoze my way through things. Talking of bulldozing, what's Carol's leadership style? One of the biggest criticisms of women managers is that we're often in the weeds. We're so busy doing the work instead of steering the ship that we can be seen as weak leaders. I'm not a micromanager. However, I find that when I don't get into the details and I don't have a full view of something, I can't really lend my weight to it. And so... I ask a lot of questions, yes. I ask a lot of questions, more for understanding, but I don't kind of chase people around and, you know, try and make sure that every single thing that they do is in a certain way, no. I don't think at this level that you even have the scope to be able to do it. You've just got so many other bigger things that you you need to focus on and you've got to trust that you've got the right people in place to do the job that you've asked them to do. Although she's a powerful and clearly articulate woman who knows what she wants, she avoids that trap that many strong black women seem to fall prey to. In fact, Carol is the antithesis of the angry black woman. I'm very non-confrontational. Whether it matters to me or it doesn't matter to me, I am the peacemaker. You know, I would rather back down or step down or just not confront a situation head on if I think it's not going to serve a purpose. In a situation where something is important to me and matters to me now, I will confront it, but it doesn't come to me naturally. It is something I am learning as I go along. Something else that makes her really interesting to me is this. Unlike many women, she hasn't really fallen prey to the imposter syndrome. Look, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I feel completely out of my depth in certain conversations. I think, okay, I don't know what these people are talking about and I don't know why they think I can add value to this conversation. Um, Yes, I do. But I think in those situations as well, I think it's a learning opportunity. I don't see it as I must have something to say. I could just be there to learn and that's good. But I don't find myself in many of those situations. I love that Carol does this. It's a really hard thing to do 
and not everyone does it. She's the kind of leader who asks for feedback. You know, I'm asking people, how am I doing? What do you expect of me? What, what do you want me to do better? So I'm asking for it deliberately because it doesn't come naturally to people to give it to you. But asking for it, that's just the easy part. It's taking feedback as, you know, am I being criticized? Isn't always easy. Sometimes you shift the things that you say, okay, this, this I buy into, thank you for the feedback. This I don't buy into, but I'll take it and I'll park it somewhere. So yeah, it's something I've had to learn for sure. So we've heard about her management style. She's calm, she listens and she's open. But what about her corporate style? Well, given what we've heard, you can probably guess that it's not power suits and stilettos. I like color, I like things that are different. And so I, I have a very kind of unique way, I think, of dressing. So the dress that you see at the store and you wonder, I wonder who's gonna buy this dress? I'm probably gonna buy that dress. It's, <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is lots of color, different shapes and seams and busy. You know, you'll find me in that dress. Um, I'm a dress person. COVID, yeah, COVID disrupted that a lot. And to the extent that I'm now feeling like I'm so done with the track pants and the t-shirts, it's just not me. And I've started to go back to dressing up, even if I'm just sitting in front of my camera at my desk, because <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it was getting out of hand. It's not just track pants and t-shirts she's reconsidering. Although Carol is still young by CEO standards and her business is doing really well despite COVID, she's thinking about her exit. As CEO, I've been managing the business since 2008, which in many cases, you know, for myself, sometimes I think that it's too long to be managing the same business as a CEO over those years. I feel that, you know, there comes a stage where you're given everything that you need to give and you need to go get something to be able to give more. So what's next for this career CEO? Well, Carol is a mother, she has a 10-year-old son, and she plays the guitar, so she does have other interests. But business is in her DNA. So there's two things I'm deeply interested in and spending a lot of time on at the moment. One is an investment I've made with a company that's really focused on building the youth in Africa and providing financial literacy as a solution to getting them to build their careers in entrepreneurship. The second project I'm involved in is actually around women entrepreneurship and I've focused on the beauty industry in Africa as an area that I think has massive growth and potential. And 90% of the SMEs in this space are women. I'm creating a platform that allows them to be able to have an active marketplace to really start scaling their product into brands. And these women couldn't have a better business partner and mentor in Carol. Over the 13 years of her leadership at EXP, she has steered this ship towards success. We are still at the top from a geographic perspective. So we are by far still the biggest Pan-African experiential agency. We lead in terms of, you know, the thinking of where experiential is going. I do, however, think that in different countries, we have different levels of competition. What we want to make sure is that we are always in the top three, both in thought, in strategic direction, in the type of clients that we have, and also in the type of people that work at EXP. So today we are coming out of COVID 
and we're really positive and excited for the future. We really feel that we're in a good space. And that's the best that any business could hope for, to be in a good space. And thanks to Carol, EXP certainly is. And that's why she is a woman on top. And that's it from me, Moki Makura. I'm your host and the producer of Women on Top, the Africa edition. It's the podcast where we interview African women in leadership roles. If you like this podcast, please share it. Subscribe and tell us what you think in the comments. We will see you next time. <laughs>